we have arrived, guys, officially releasing season one of Nordic D&D, the Arana Saga. And now we will release one episode each week. But today we're going to start with session zero, where we learn more about the podcast and where we meet the players. Enjoy. Hey guys, my name is John Atnason and I am the Dungeon Master and the host of Nordic D&D The Ariana Saga. I come from a small village of Faroe Islands called Trondjuswawr but live in Copenhagen, Denmark. And it is here our journey began. At first our game was far away from being a podcast. We started playing in my small apartment, just a couple of Faroish rams playing for the fun of it. And we were playing in Faroese, which is the native tongue spoken in the Faroe Islands. And it sounds something like this. Tu ju former eines baseretur i morgon. Forgangand om man har fjörron här så är en ljotan man. Han lyckades akkurat en fjörretröttlig. Så jag får spurstan härifrån. Anyway, that's how it sounds. So yeah, we were just playing a couple of Faroish guys. But then Danish players joined the game. We started shifting over to playing in Danish, which is our second language, so that was no problem. But then, as we were enjoying playing the game, the thought came to me that it would be really cool to record it and listen to how it sounds, since we do like the role-playing aspect of the game. And it will be a smart way to recap. It really wasn't. Way too much work just for a recap. But as I listened to it, wasting time on a dumb idea, making a recap, the thought came to me that there is a better idea here. It would sound cool if I added some sound effects to it and just listened to it as a story. Hmm. And from there came the idea of making it into a podcast. And of course, I know about Critical Role and God's Fall and Adventure Zone and others podcasts like it, which are so entertaining, and listening to those podcasts inspired me to try it out myself, and so we started recording. But there was a problem. First, we started recording in the middle of the campaign. We were playing in Danish, which is fine if you only want Danish audience, but I wanted more to get the chance to listen. So I took a talk with the guys, if they were up to recording in English instead, so we will get a much broader listeners range. They were game. Awesome. So we decided to go on in English. But then it was the missing part of the campaign, where we did not record at all. And there was a lot of cool shit happening in that game already, that the listeners won't get to hear, and that is a shame. And just won't do. No, 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 no. I want you to get the entire story. So I gathered all the old notes from the first session and wrote the entire thing down in English with the help from the players recapping all the relevant details from the first session to where we started recording in English. 
and I've put it all together in a clever way. Which means in some of the episodes there is some storytelling. This will be called flashbacks, and during these parts, it will sound more like an audiobook than a D&D game. But this is only in the flashbacks. The rest of the show is recorded games where you get the more D&D feeling with the dice rolling and the checks. This way, you get the entire story. So the big question is now, what is different from this D&D podcast to all the others, and there are many? Well, I want it to be different in that way that I want you, the listeners, to know all about what is going on in the world of Ariana. That means you'll know more than the players. And you will know more about the players themselves than they know about one another. And there will also be audio cinematic cutscenes of events that the players know nothing about, so you can follow the enemies and their plans as well. Well, to some degree, of course. Not everything will be revealed, but enough for you to know relatively what is going on. But with the room of getting surprised as well, for some things may not be as they seem. <laughs> there will also be, in all episodes, a short segue with lore, so you will get to learn bit by bit in every episode about lore. And now I feel like I want to introduce the players. Another thing that you're going to know right here from the beginning are their backstories, details about their lives. So you maybe get this intimate feeling right from the beginning about who they are. And let's go to the first introduction right now. Hello, my name is Martin. Uh, I've been playing D&D for three or four years, uh, both as a DM and as a player. In the Ariana Saga I play Hunter, the tiefling um, warlock slash fighter. My mother died giving birth to me. My father always told me that it wasn't my fault. But I'm quite sure that me having a lower body misformed to look like a demon, hoofs and all, complicated things for my fully human mother. In Little Canyon, the small town I was born in, my condition was met with great disgust and hatred. But my father still cared for me, even when people yelled curse words and spat at us on the street. My father just decided to move us to the outskirts of town to have less interactions with other people. The first 12 years of my life was spent with my father. He taught me to read and write. He taught me to survive in the wilderness, hunting and gathering. He even taught me to use a sword and a bow, something I, according to my father, had quite a talent for. I was happy. But everything changed one night shortly after my 12th birthday. We had just sat down for supper when we heard hard knocks on the door. My father went to open and outside stood a man in full armor, soaked from the rain. The man spoke, and what he said made my father lose all color. We found him. This was the night where I found out that everything I thought I knew was wrong. My father, who I thought was a simple woodsman, used to be a famous monster hunter. He traveled Ariana, getting paid by kings and nobles to get rid of anything from undead to abominations. 
though he specialized in fiends. He ended all that when he met my mom, settled down, and a year later, I was born. Shortly after my birth, he had discovered the cause of my condition. An old nemesis of his, a devil called Iraq, had found out when my father had settled down. And one night, when my father was working, Iraq has had shape changed into my father's image, had entered our house, and laid with my mother. And the result was me. As soon as he found out what Iraq has done, he asked his brother, an old hunting partner, to find the devil so my father could get his revenge. His brother Thomas, my uncle, was the man who had just knocked on our door. My world came crashing down as I was told the story. Not only was the man I called father not my actual father, I was half devil. At the same time, I was amazed. All of this and my adopted father had still taken care of me and loved me as his own. I remember thinking that I must be the luckiest kid in the world to have this man as my father. The next day, my father left. He told me he had to kill Iraq. So he left me with my mother's aunt, Avalyn, in town, and left with my uncle to get his revenge. Avalyn was a nice enough lady. She had agreed to take me in, though she did always look at my legs in a weird way. Her two sons, on the other hand, was absolute bastards. Mocking, bullying, kicking and punching me every time their mother wasn't looking. They made my life a living hell. And on top of that, I was back in the center of Little Canyon during the comments and glares from the other citizens. So I spent as much time as possible away from everyone, mostly practicing with my bow, learning trick shots and increasing my speed. Six months passed like this, and every day I thought about running away to the big city, where I imagined people would be more tolerant, but I had to wait for my father. Then one day, my uncle Thomas came back, alone. He told me the story of how they have tracked down the devil Iraq and slain him. Sadly, my father had been mortally wounded in the fight. As his final words, my father told Thomas to cut the horn from the fiend, craft a bow from them, and give it to me. He handed me the bow, and as soon as I touched it, I felt a surge of magic flowing through my blood. Suddenly, I knew things that I couldn't possibly know about magic, about my devil heritage. That night, I packed off my few belongings and left Little Canyon for good. When I arrived at Angel's Bliss, I was shocked by the size of it. I had never seen so many people in one place, and best of all, nobody seemed to take notice of me. In the beginning, I mostly survived by finding scraps of food around taverns and in the market, but soon I met other urchins who made me a part of their group, and taught me how to pick locks and get things from people's pockets without them noticing. I started performing on the streets with my archery skills. People were quite impressed that a kid my age showed such a great amount of accuracy. And while people were distracted looking at me doing trick shots, my friends relieved them of their valuables. For four years this was my life. Performing during the day, stealing during the night, and then I met Taryn. One day after I finished my performance, a tall elven man came up to me. He introduced himself as Taron and told me that he was the leader of a traveling carnival and he was looking for a new performing talent. He invited me to join and even though didn't, I didn't want to leave my friends, I couldn't say no to the opportunity to travel and see the world. 
My first performance for the carnival was in the town of Amek. At first I wanted to wear a long tunic because I didn't want people to be disgusted by my malformed lower body. But Taron told me that I should accept who I am, use it to my advantage. So he made me a helmet with huge ram horns attached, making me look even more demonic. I still vividly remember how Taron first introduced me. Ladies and gentlemen, beware. Our next performer is here to hunt you down and drag you back to hell with him. The Horned Hunter. I gasped went through the crowd as I entered the arena. A couple of kids even started crying. But it changed into a huge applause as soon as I started shooting my bow. For two years I traveled with the carnival. I continuously got better with my bow and Taron, who knew magic himself, helped me better understand the magic I had been bestowed through my bloodline and my connection with my bow. Taron was a master of lore and a great storyteller. And as he taught me, I started feeling a craving for gaining new knowledge. That's when I decided it was time to strike out on my own as an adventurer on a quest to find as much magical knowledge as possible. I gave up my birth name and will forever be known as simply Hunter. This was Martin Rajan playing Hunter. And now we're going to meet Bastian. My name is Bastian and I'm uh, 27 years old. I've been playing role-playing games for about two and a half years now. And I, uh, I run some uh, organized Adventures League uh, games in a shop in Denmark called Fao Cigar in Copenhagen, so if any one of you listeners ever want to try it, uh, feel free to show up every second Monday. And I play uh, the character Kettle, who is a male human druid, um, who is, what, what, should, what should we call it, um, more of a, a, a na- naive and happy dreamer. He, uh, he was born and raised in the the secretive uh, collective and town bliss and uh, this town consists of many different races and uh, different ethnicities and yeah Kittle he sort of embraced this feeling of diversity um, and uh, solitude that uh, the city of bliss really uh, really symbolized and that sort of uh, nested and sheltered uh, Kettle's um, upbringing, which also made him sort of uh, somewhat not prepared for what the rest of the world outside of this uh, enclosed society had to offer. So um, yeah, that's that's my character. And this was Bastian Sandbergenberg playing Kettle. Next we're going to meet Charstan Johansson playing Sovan. Hello guys, my name is Chashan Johansson. I am the DM's brother. I have played Dungeons and Dragons for about, yeah, the same as the other guys, three years maybe. John, myself and uh, Martin, we started playing at the same time in the same campaign. So it's kind of special that we're, we're all here joined in this podcast. I am playing Sovan Velfaren. He is a human warlock with a small twist, and this is his backstory. The night is oddly dark this night in Eighth Village. Snow and the howling of the wind 
make it near impossible to wander outside without some kind of magical means. Sovan, nothing but a boy, woke up in the middle of the night with a strong urge. He did not know of which nature this urge was, but something was calling him, something he had not felt before. Being a citizen of 8th village since birth, he knew the dangers it possessed, and thus decided to wait and find out what it meant in the morning. A few hours went by, and suddenly Sovan felt like he was pulled out of his bed. As he woke, he felt that his clothes were soaked in sweat. He could wait no longer. He dressed according to the weather and went outside. He had no hope of finding his way with a bare eye, as the odds of perceiving anything through the cover of night and the heavy snowfall were slim. But there was another way. The urge led him in a particular direction, and for every step he took, the stronger the urge got. After wandering for about 30 minutes, he landed in a massive hole in the ground. The fall was deep, and Sovan injured his leg in the process. But what he found was so astonishing that the pain almost gave way to the excitement. Buried in the mud, he saw a sword emitting bright light, a sword of which nature he had never seen before. At first glance, he knew he had to take it. And as his hands clutched the hilt of the sword, Sovan felt like his soul was dragged out of his body. Then there was darkness. After coming to, Sovan awoke in his bed, soaked in sweat again. But he felt that he was not the same. Something had changed. He felt power. His urge was still there, but not as strong as it previously was. He sat up and looked into the mirror. He saw his eyes pulsing with light. His mother had always told him that he was special, a gift from Valra. But he hadn't thought much of it, since every mom would tell their only child that. The following days, Sovan felt like he was fighting a cold. He felt warmth and chills creep under his skin almost simultaneously, as his mind boggled back to the incident. All he remembered was a strong urge and a sword nothing more. He had to get some fresh air and went outside. It was on the back end of the winter season, but he gathered what was left of his strength and left. As he walked along the small path leading from his house to 8th village proper, he stumbled upon a group of boys bullying a child. As he ran over to help, he swiftly learned that he was severely outnumbered, as punches were thrown at him from every angle. In an act of panic, he called out for help and he got his answer. As he went for a punch, he summoned something not of this world, a blade of shadow, and it pierced through the torso of one of the boys. Horrified of the incident, he ran as fast as he could home to his parents. He explained what had occurred, and his mother quickly packed their bags as his father ran into the woods to cover up the murder. That was the last time he saw his father. He knows not whether he is dead or alive they had to get out, out of 8th village. They fled to the mountain harbor and set sails to Morrow Island. They had no place to live in Morrow, but found a small cottage in Morrow East, where his mother Amelia could slowly start her clothing business. One day, Sovan was practicing to summon his sword, when a man who called himself a wizard approached him. His name was Genti. He taught Sovan how to use his powers, and how power had driven many a man mad. One day, Gendi had left a note on the practice ground. 
I have been summoned by my masters, and therefore I am not able to further your progress as a wielder of magic. I trust you, Sorvan. You will accomplish great things. And it was then Sorvan rode to Ronan in search for more answers. That was my brother, Kjartan Johansen, playing Sovan Wilferen. Then you have Hutler, Victor Demon. He plays an elven barbarian called Victor, and he is in episodes 1 and 2. Hutler sadly left the game after only a few sessions, but his character is in the show, for he did put his mark on the story, so he will get a shout out. We were glad to have you, Hutler, and you were missed. Now, Hutler wasn't able to record his own backstory, but I will do the honors. Ever since he was a child, Victor, being a wood elf outlander, had always felt a little different than his fellow elves. He was always told that he is one of a kind. Never had you seen an elf as large as Victor, but a kinder soul you could not find either. His size made it hard for him to hide, but to be honest, Victor never felt the need to hide from his foes. Nevertheless, he was mocked and ridiculed for being different than the other elves. After a long time of being frowned upon and mocked, one day, in rage, he took on all those who mocked him, who had become violent against him, and he gave them such a beating that no one ever crossed Victor again. But... This only made Victor more isolated, and he felt he had no home any longer in the woods, and became more drawn towards the larger settlements. Not finding his own fortune or peace among his own kind, he abandoned his life in the forest. The urge now had become too great to ignore, having heard stories of cities, riches, and acceptance. Their diversity flourishes, so he said farewell to his loved ones. Daler and Lucia Adrian, mother and father, and his two younger brothers, Daler Jr., who was the older of the two, and Hastas, who was the youngest. Daler, Victor's father, told him to go in peace and advised him to go to the Iron Barn of Ronan. There he will find some mercenary work. It will be a good place to start. He was speaking from experience. And he told him, Goodbye, son. May you find the glory peace. We hope to see you again, my boy. This was the character of Hutler Victor Demon. He is found in the flashbacks. Then there is Toder Bistrum. He is playing an elven monk. Toder was one of the players who was not so hyped about it becoming a podcast, which is fair so his character is sometimes voiced by someone else during the flashbacks. But in the live game recording he is playing himself, which is great. I will try my best to not make it confusing when it comes to Hadarai in the flashbacks. During his backstory I will voice Hadarai. Hadarai did not know his origins. All he knew was he grew up with his master and teacher, a hermit in a wildly forest. There he was taught the solitary life, 
how to live of nature, and how to fend for oneself. His master emphasized the importance of knowing oneself as the path of enlightenment, as only through knowing oneself can a man truly know everything. Hadurai and his master lived for a long time in the forest. His master did not reveal much to him, but one night, over a campfire they were talking, and he explained to Hadurai how he was hunted, and how his guild has been hunted for a while now. He didn't want to say who the hunter was, but he gave Hadurai a whisper. It shocked Hadurai to hear who wanted them dead. But he did not think much more of it, for they have become experts in fighting and in hiding as well. Then years passed in tranquility and in their exploration. However, one night, a company of military units passed by. Hadurai's master asked him to run and hide as fast as possible, briefly mentioning the wrath of the one who hunted them. Hadurai refused, being loyal to his master. However, his master focused and with one open palm sent Hadurai flying far into the forest, knocking him unconscious. When Hadurai came to, he hurried back to their hut. It was on fire. He looked around and saw several bodies lying around. At first, Hadurai couldn't recognize any of the bodies, hoping that his master had escaped. However, lying in the middle with a tranquil expression on his face, he found his master. Hadurai swore that just like these trees yield to the storm and mountains cleave by the ground, so too would his master be avenged, for I will never forget who was to blame for this, and who ordered them all to be killed. It will not be forgotten. Hadurai knew that this would not be an easy task. Furthermore, he had no knowledge about the whereabouts, and how to get to the guy responsible for the death of his master. But he needed to acquire the knowledge, and would surely require resources which he did not possess for their life had been a humble one. His first goal was therefore to go to Angel's Bliss. There, he most likely can make a name for himself. But to get into Angel's Bliss is no easy task either, so the first stop will be Ronan to make some money, and then Angel's Bliss, and then Retribution. This was the backstory of Hadurai, the character of Torur Bestrum, who you will hear in the live games. Those were the players. I, John Otnason, am the DM of the game, which means I write the story and control what is going on. But apart from that, I do all the editing as well. I do some of the homemade uh, sound effects for the show and most of the narration work, but I also get the players to help in the narration, mostly in the flashbacks. I am in luck to have a lot of talented friends and family members, such as Guntur Johansen, my cousin, who made the intro and the outro soundtrack in the show. 
He has also made some homebrewed songs, which we will hear in season one. And he is also one of the voice actors used in the show. Yeah, you heard right. There are also voice actors. I came up with the idea of writing the dialogues down, well some of them anyway, that I have in the game for some of the NPCs and some of the villains and other characters as well. And I asked different people if they were interested in trying some voice acting in a fantasy podcast. And they were. Which is awesome. It really makes the audio cinematic scenes of dialogues so much more nice this way. So to you Rogue Einarsson and Otni Hansardotter, Daniel Jakob Hansarsson and Gunther Hansen, thank you for being a part of the show. Now getting voice actors is amazing by itself, but then adding sound effects from amazing companies like BattleBards, Frasilian Studios and Pro Sound. I mean, like, check this out man. That is so nice. If you like sound effects like this in your game or your show or whatever you're doing, this is BattleBars.com. We've got a link at our homepage at nordicdnd.podbean.com and our YouTube channel. If you take that link to BattleBars.com, you'll get a discount on subscriptions. You can have sound effects just like this. We use also sound effects from Pro Sound and Facilian Studios. Pro Sound Effects has their homepage at prosoundeffects.com where they have a lot of bundle and you can see their pricing there. We sadly do not have any discounts on their merchandise. And the same goes for Fesslian Studios, where we use a lot of the music from. I have a link to Fesslian Studios on our homepage. Check it out guys, it is very nice. But remember to check out their policies. That goes for all the sound effects companies, always check their license and check their policies because they may change. Just to be sure that if something I say here may have changed, then you are warned that you have to check it. So we do not take responsibilities for that. It's always one's own responsibility to check the license and check the policies of the product that they use or buy. Nordic D&D does not take responsibility if policies have changed since this was recorded. But it's always a good idea to check these things out so you don't break any laws and you give the companies their due respect on their merchandise. And I also want to give a shout out to the creator of our logo, Mr. James Austin. He did a fantastic job in drawing the god of death Grimna described on the logo holding the dice of destiny. I love it man, he did such a fantastic job, it was exactly what I wanted. Thank you, man. Go check him out. He's found on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. I'll try to set up a link on our homepage so you can find his Instagram site. James Austin. Before every episode, you'll hear this announcement. Sound effects in this podcast is brought to you by Festlian Studios, BattleBars.com, and Pro Sound. And some of them are made by the Dungeon Master himself. This show is R-rated, so everybody be advised. That's it, nice and easy, and as you hear, I have R-rated the show, just in case. 
is not so much because it's pornographic or there's a lot of cussing and swearing going on. I mean, it happens. I mean, the cursing part. Sometimes the F-bomb gets dropped, but we try to keep it civil. No. It's more because I want the freedom of how graphic it gets, horror-wise. There is death, blood, gore, and mutilation described in the show vividly. So you are warned. The show is made in all fun and entertainment. We mean in no way to be disrespectful. I say that because there are different descriptions of characters in the show where we describe how they look. We describe the color of their skin, how they weigh, what they look like, what they like or dislike, and we give them accents, They're pretty bad sometimes, but we still give them accents for fun, and in doing them, we mean in no way, shape or form to be disrespectful to anyone's race, culture, religion, body type, sexual preferences or political stance, or whatever you can think of, you will be offended by. The show is meant to entertain and is made in all fun, but like I said, it is R-rated, so you are warned. Now, these are just things that I feel obligated to mention to you guys, um, so everything is out there and in the clear. Anyway guys, telling a story through a game like Dungeons & Dragons is so much fun, because it does not depend on the writer, the DM, alone, but the players who make choices where the story will go, and where destiny happens in the roll of a die. So I can have all these ideas of how the story is gonna go, but it depends on me and the players and the choices they make. But together, we'll make an amazing story, and it's so much fun. Well, I think we're about to wrap this Session Zero up now, and I think I've given you a glimpse of what is to expect from Nordic D&D, the Ariana Saga. And I'm going to leave you with a little treat, the first cinematic cutscene. Thanks for the day, guys. See you soon. In the realm of the undead sits the god of death, Grimna, on his throne. He speaks. The plan is set in motion, my lord, and your minions serve you well. Soon, all of Ariana will emerge in shadow and death. <laughs> Just one last thing. If you do like the show, remember, put a thumbs up, like, subscribe, or leave a comment, then you'll get the latest updates on what is going on 
See you soon, guys.